You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to Domecast. I'm Jordan Schrader of the News and Observer hosting this week, and with me are Lynn Bonner of the NNO, Lauren Horsch of the NC Insider, and Will Doran of the NNO. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the legislature's actions this week, including to finalize the maps to elect members of the House and Senate. Now it goes to the courts, and the courts will decide uh, if that meets their approval. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, uh, another action of the legislature uh, dealing with water pollution. We'll talk about what they did on Gen X. Uh, and we'll talk about when they are coming back. Uh, the legislature will be back pretty soon, and uh, we'll talk about what is on their agenda. Um, but let's start with maps. Uh, we have new maps, and uh, the week started off with Senator Phil Berger, the leader of the Senate, um, giving some advice to Democrats about redistricting, uh, a little unusual. Will, what happened with Senator Berger? Yes, uh, unsolicited advice, we should note. Uh, Democrats were a little angry with him after he gave his speech the other day, um, but he came down uh, to the Senate floor to deliver this lengthy speech, probably around half an hour long, um, uh, during one of the redistricting debates. And he said, basically, look, you know, you guys need to quit complaining about redistricting, trying to blame all of your woes on gerrymandering. The reality is the Democrats in North Carolina have a geography problem. Uh, he said, you know, you guys are only winning 20 to 30 counties in the state, and if we are trying to draw legislative maps without splitting up too many counties whenever we can avoid it, you know, just the the numbers are that, you know, y'all aren't going to win. Now, like I said, Democrats took uh, exception to that. They said, hey, you know, we we win, you know, 48, 49% of the vote in North Carolina, but we only have around... 30% of the seats in the legislature and that doesn't really make sense you know <laughs> which is basically their argument um, they say that you know gerrymandering is to blame um, uh, Berger suggested that Democrats bring back the traditional North Carolina Democrat um, somebody like you know uh, former congressman Heath Schuler comes to mind he said you know someone who uh, yes was pro-education but was also pro-business pro-gun uh, you know maybe had some, uh, you know, pro-religious views that could vote with Republicans on. Um, of course, the irony is that Heath Schuler, you know, lost his seat after the 2011 redistricting when his district got moved way far to the right. Um, and, you know, being a moderate Democrat wouldn't have helped him anyways. And Senator Berger had a whole stack of statistics in his speech, or at least in the version that we saw on his uh, blog, on his website, um, and he had some interesting things to say about how few counties Cooper won, Governor Cooper won, compared to previous governors. He brought up um, Governor Easley, Governor Hunt, uh, Governor Purdue. Uh, yeah, he, um, you know, he said, you know, Jim Hunt won, you know, 65, 66, something like that counties. So did Mike Easley. You know, Purdue won more than half the counties in the state. Um, and then Cooper only won 28. Um, of course, in really in the last 10 years or so, we've seen a huge uh, basically migration of people from some of the more rural areas into the cities in the state. Um, and Cooper won nearly all of the big metro areas, and you know that was enough to carry him to victory. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of shows how you know Democrats' base is getting 
a little bit more concentrated in the cities. Obviously, there are still plenty of rural areas, especially in the northeastern part of the state where you know, Democrats still have a stronghold um, that I think a lot of people also wish that uh, Berger hadn't glossed over. Uh, Laura and I have been busy over here tweeting, uh, which you all really can't see because we have some breaking news. Um, there's a uh, TV station um, in uh, the southeast reporting that Chris Millis is resigning. Um, remember, he is the Republican who was leading the charge to uh, impeach Elaine Marshall. Now, there's no information on why he's decided to leave, um, but it really raises the question whether this is going to continue. Remember that um, this vote to start, you know, just initial impeachment proceedings was um, controversial to say the least. And there were some uh, even within his his caucus who were gritting their teeth over it. Um, Toward the end of, uh, I guess we should say the first part of the long session, they, um, they decided to kind of pull back and they said they were going to have some independent prosecutor look into it and see what the case was but that's all gone underground since then um you know they have impeachment possibilities as part of their the things they consider when they come back in september but with millis gone i'm really wondering whether this is going to go anywhere at this point um I don't know, Lauren. Do you have any other insights? Yeah. Anybody know where, how his uh, how he fared under redistricting? Uh, I don't remember offhand, and I was attempting to look that up as Will was talking. <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting because we were those of us who were sitting on the House floor yesterday were actually looking for Millis. Um, he was not present during the votes on House Bill 56 or the conference report for House Bill 56. So it's curious to see what reasoning he will have for his resignation. And it should be noted that um, WECT-TV down in Wilmington, they said that that would be effective as of September 15th. So there's still time. And, um, you know, again, like Lynn said, this kind of puts those impeachment possibilities for Secretary of State Elaine Marshall into flux because I emailed uh, Representative Millis yesterday asking for an update, and I never heard back. So, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns right now. So as long as we're talking about uh, what they're going to do when they come back, um, what else is on the agenda? Because impeachment was one thing mm-hmm. that was particularly spelled out in their adjournment resolution for when they come back. Is it October 6th? 4th. Uh, yeah, it'll October be October 4th. 4th at noon. Both chambers will come back. Um, and so it's kind of wide open and... Um, House Democratic leader Darren Jackson from Wake County, you know, wasn't really happy with the adjournment resolution, as I think a lot of Democrats were not happy because it was wide open. They essentially can consider whatever they want, except new bills, obviously, but they can take up conference committee reports. So those are those bills that are stuck in negotiations right now between the House and the Senate Um, and then redistricting specifically, not only just House or Senate if, you know, the judges say, you know, you need to redo the maps again, but also judicial redistricting. And that's been a big deal right now. That's a bill, I believe it's House Bill 717, which is from Representative Justin Burr, who you'll hear more about later on in the podcast. But um, so that's on the slate for when they return in October. And actually in September still, they're going to come back on September 12th for a a judicial redistricting meeting because they did appoint a select House committee for that. So that will be later this month. And then I think a big big item that they can consider is constitutional amendments. 
And so there's a lot of there's probably about a handful of constitutional amendments floating out there in current legislation. Um, but one that could come up is um, using voter ID as a constitutional amendment. So putting that to the voters um, next November. So we could see that come up. But that's just an idea that's been floated around through some leadership and some other Republicans. So we'll see what that um, com- if that comes about, as well as, um, you know, they can respond to any litigation for any legislation that they come up with. So so, so what would be going on with judicial redistricting? Because obviously we've got several uh, laws in the year on redistricting, so they've just passed these maps for mm-hmm. themselves, for their own seats, and um, that's going back to the judges who struck them down. And then, of course, there's congressional redistricting, and we had some news this week that uh, the congressional maps, which are being which were redrawn last year and are being challenged again on the basis of partisan gerrymandering instead of racial gerrymandering, that that case can go forward, even though there's a another case going to the Supreme Court from Wisconsin, uh, that that North Carolina case is going to keep going. So, but then we've got this judicial redistricting. What's happening with that, Lauren? Uh, so that's really where they're going to look at the judicial districts in the state, because you'll see. Um, we do elect a lot of the judges in the state, and that's broken up by districts. And so what Representative Burr wants to do is kind of go through all those and see how they can be redrawn. And I haven't dug a lot into this, so Lynn or Will, feel free to interject. Um, but basically, he just wants to look at the judicial districts and see where it can be broken up. So some districts that might not have you know, the correct representation can get better representation in their judgeships. So. Okay. Uh, now beyond Millis, we've had uh, at least one other departure. Uh, Lynn, Senator Bill Cook uh, announced he would uh, leave, and he actually called out redistricting as, as the reason, or one of the reasons anyway, right? He did. Um, he His new district includes uh, an incumbent Democrat, and the district he's would be in um, if these maps are approved. Um, it voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. You remember Trump won the state. Um, so it is a Democratic-leaning district for sure, and um, it would appear that a Democrat, especially an incumbent running that district, would have the upper hand. Uh, he denounced the maps um, in a floor speech earlier uh, this week, specifically his district, I think he said something about a conservative conservative county drawn in with a sea of liberals or being dominated by a sea of liberals or something like that. And then uh, the next day said that he would not be running again. Um, so uh, that means that, um, you know, redistricting is sort of claimed one person. Um, we also had um, Chad Barefoot to say that he was uh, not going to return. He is also, he's double bunked in the district, is that right? Here in yeah. Wake County, yeah. Right, in Wake County. Um, we're not sure whether redistricting played a role, but he announced he would be leaving um, right before the maps came out. So that might be one of the causes. There were a bunch of other um, interesting maneuvers um, as a result. Um, there are 
some legislators who have said that they're going to move. Um, John Hotterster, who is in Guilford County and was uh, drawn into a district with a fellow Republican, said he was going to change his residence um, so they wouldn't have to compete for the same district. Um, and Representative Reeves said he was going to move to Chatham County where there is uh, a new district with no incumbent. So, um, you know, the the shifts have already begun with the um, boundaries of the new districts, not really, uh, the ink's not really even dry on them. So uh, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to see more as we, as we go down the road. And, and some lawmakers had a little less inconvenience because um, the districts are wrapped around their neighborhoods just so to be able to uh, capture um, their houses or, uh, and it, it, that is houses plural in at least one case. Lauren, mm-hmm. what happened with Senator Ben Clark? Yeah, so Senator Ben Clark, who's a Democrat from um, Hope County, um, he asked, I do believe this was in one of the committee meetings we were districting, to have House uh, Senate District 21 redrawn to include his second house. So essentially, he, he represents Senate District 21, and he had a second house in District 19, which is another, it's a Republican senator's district. And so he asked to have the maps essentially gerrymandered to include his second house. And there was a lot of talk of people were thinking he might eventually try and unseat that Republican senator. But so it's they just they just redrew it for him. And it's it's interesting when you look at the map because it kind of already looks vaguely like Louisiana at one point, And then it just juts out. Just just. It's just clear as day, juts out for a second house. So, And it just gets like a little neighborhood. I mean, you know, it probably mm-hmm. only picks up a handful of houses in that little spur. Yeah, it, it's not much. So there was not a lot of complaining during the committee because it's not a lot of people, but it gets a second house in there. So, Okay. Anything else to say about redistricting before we move on? No, we'll just be watching to see what these, uh, what these judges think of the new lines. Um, you know, mm-hmm. obviously... They were drawn by the same guy who drew the current unconstitutional ones, so uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, the legislature also uh, voted to override a couple of uh, vetoes from Governor Roy Cooper, uh, and then they, uh, most of which we've already talked about, but uh, one involves a state employee drawing two salaries, uh, and the other one involves uh, insurance on consumer loans. Um, but then the big debate toward the end of their mini session was over water pollution uh, and specifically um, the pollutant Gen X. So, Will, you wrote about this uh, some. What uh, what happened with Gen X? Yeah, Gen X is a uh, chemical uh, that could be hazardous to humans that apparently has been pumped into the Cape Fear River for 30 to 40 years. Um, and... Uh, apparently DEQ or formerly Diener has just missed it um, and we're only kind of recently figuring out that hey this is a huge hazard and obviously the Cape Fear is the source of drinking water for basically everyone in the state from Fayetteville down to Wilmington um, so a pretty big chunk of southeastern North Carolina and um, uh, the legislature voted to uh, set aside around uh, $435,000 to start looking into this. Um, Democrats had, uh, I, I think you could say, probably a complicated response to this bill. Um, you know, they thought that obviously this is something, you know, that is worth 
doing. Um, a big complaint was that the process was made a little too political. Uh, they were saying, hey, we should just, just be giving this money. Uh, but instead, the money was tacked on to this much larger bill that also uh, included a bunch of uh, environmental deregulation issues. Um, it lifted some uh, regulations on landfill and trash disposal issues. It lifted some regulations on mining companies. It uh, repealed the ban on plastic bags on the Outer Banks that had been instituted in hopes of protecting turtles there. Um, and so Democrats were, uh, uh, they, they complained for a while, like, hey, you know, why, you know, why, why are you doing this, <laughs> basically? You know, why, why not just pass a, or, you know, put, a, put forth a, a clean bill to give the funding? Um, some also complained that the funding was going to the wrong sources, that a lot of the money was going to the uh, local utilities commission, which some Democrats alleged actually knew about all these problems, and did nothing about it, um, didn't alert the public, didn't try and stop it, just kind of let it happen. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but those were the allegations that we were hearing on the, the floor of the House. Um, so in the end, it did pass, um, but House uh, Democratic leader Darren Jackson basically promised that uh, Governor Roy Cooper was going to veto it. Um, I, I don't know how Cooper's office felt about that, <laughs> um, but Jackson slammed the Republicans for basically, you know, not working closer with the Democrats to uh, to come up with a bill that he said would be guaranteed to be signed. And did they have enough numbers to override a veto, or uh, it was close? It didn't. Didn't it? it didn't look like it. Um, but there were also several Republicans who were absent. Um, and I think this is one of those bills that wasn't a straight party line vote. Um, you had some people on on both sides, kind of, you know bucking the party line. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, and uh, as far as I know, we haven't seen any action from Cooper. Uh, but if he does veto it, then this whole debate will have been kind of moot because legislature isn't coming back until October anyways. So all of this funding that they set aside is going to just sit in limbo for over a month if he does, if he does veto it. Uh, Lynn will mention that uh, the repeal of the plastic bag ban was also added in there. What do the Republicans say about uh, why they want to get rid of this uh, bag ban? Well, for months we've heard that um, businesses didn't want it. The Retail Merchants Association worked pretty hard to get rid of it, saying that it, it providing paper bags is more expensive than um, just giving out plastic bags. Um, and we've heard the argument that you know, it really, it, it hasn't had any effect. It really doesn't work. Um, this law was passed in 2010 and was really kind of a, uh, a priority for the former Democratic Senate leader, Mark Basnight, who is from Dare County. Um, he uh, didn't like the sight of, you know, plastic bags, uh, you know, blowing along the beach, um, said that it was really unsightly and um, and wanted something done. Of course, um, there's the issue of plastic bags being really harmful to uh, marine life when they get into, um, you know, they've when uh, you know fish and, and other uh, animals digest them um, and uh, and or you know get them wrapped around their necks. Apparently, uh, bags it can look kill them. a lot like jellyfish. They were saying, yeah. and a lot of marine animals like eating jellyfish. And yeah. Right. So uh, I learned a lot about plastic bags and plastic bag bans just in this last week and found that um, 
40, 40 countries either ban them or tax them in some way to uh, in order to get their um, to reduce their use. So, um, but um, there was another new argument against the ban this week that I heard. A representative said that it uh, appears to be unconstitutional because it um, applies only to one area of the state rather than the entire state. So um, after a long fight and a lot of criticism, the, the ban uh, went down. And we'll see uh, what again what the governor does on on that. Um, one last thing before we do headliner of the week, Lynn. Uh, there was a, uh, a little bit of talk about the electric chair this week, kind of out of nowhere. So how did this come yeah, up? That really did come out of nowhere. Um, uh, state representative uh, Justin Burr on his Facebook page posted a photo of the electric chair um, that he said is in the uh, state museum and uh, wrote about how uh, we should bring back, um, uh, you know, crank up the electric chair again. Um, And it got a lot of responses on his Facebook page. Um, His message, he said, was that the state should restart executions um, and allow those... uh, who are convicted to choose their um, choose the method uh, of of uh, execution, and he you know gave the range of uh, methods from firing squad to hanging to gas uh, to lethal injection. Uh, the state has been using, like other states have been using, lethal injection, uh, but that is uh, now controversial. Uh, with some saying that it is a cruel and unusual punishment. Um, the state hasn't used um, the electric chair for decades uh, and has evolved with the rest of the country to other methods. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Burr has said that, you know, um, victims' families have been waiting for a long time, so let's uh, start up executions again with... Um, the convicted getting their their choice of method. And we haven't had an execution in North Carolina in how long? In more than uh, 10 years. I think it was 2006 we had the last execution. So, um, yeah, uh, an interesting, uh, interesting point of view. Okay. Well, the flip side, of course, is that, you know, our colleagues here at the NNO have written about probably, what, at least half a dozen people who had been on death row for decades and then been exonerated because it turned right. out they were innocent. Right. So, I, you know, I think that's uh, one reason why a lot of people, you know, oppose uh, hasty executions mm-hmm. is right. the justice system isn't always perfect. All right. We will be right back with Headliner of the Week. Stay with us. know that North Carolina judges used to ride on horseback across the state to deliver justice? Today, there are more than 1,000 judicial representatives in our state. And through the NCAOC Speakers Bureau, you can request to have a representative speak at your event. Representatives are ready to inform your community about the importance of the North Carolina judicial system, and their visits are completely free. We can't promise they'll show up on a horse, though. Visit celebrate.ncourts.org to request a speaker for your event.
And we're back, and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Headliner of the Week, where we pick a headliner, somebody, a person, place, or thing, uh, in this week's news. Uh, Lynn Bonner, why don't you go first? Who's your headliner of the week? I'm going to pick the FTC, uh, kind of an off-the-wall pick, but the FTC is going to be asked to weigh in on what's being called a partnership between UNC Healthcare and Carolina's Healthcare announced yesterday. Yesterday, they want uh, a um, some kind of coordinated effort. We'll see how it all shapes up in the details. But if they were to combine forces, they'd be running uh, more than 50 hospitals in the state and really creating kind of a mega healthcare system. Um, so uh, interesting development on the healthcare side which um, might affect um, people's choice of doctors and uh, insurance rates. So I'm going to pick FTC um, because they're going to be in the news uh, likely uh, for something very important none too soon. Okay. All right. The big merger. Uh, And so the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Right, right, right. (laughs) Partnership or, or marriage, marriage, is one of marriage, <laughs> union. Yeah, right. It's not a merger. Uh, the uh, uh, Federal Trade Commission in the hat for headliner of the week. Uh, Lauren Horsch, who's your headliner of the week? I'm going to go with uh, Senator Bill Cook, who, of course, announced this week that he was not seeking re-election. And the reason why I'm choosing Senator Cook as my headliner is because in his statement, see. In his statement about not seeking re-election, he directly called out redistricting for being part of his decision-making process. Um, He said in his statement, I've tried to be a good servant to the people of eastern North Carolina. However, the recent redistricting changes have prompted me to reevaluate my commitment to my family. And so it's, it's just showing how redistricting can take a toll on these lawmakers and even when he was you know getting ready to vote on the maps um he even on the floor said this conservatively leaning county will be drowned in a sea of liberalism so that's he's talking about the county he represents Beaufort County which was put into a fairly liberal district so I think it's very interesting just to see how this resignation I mean this not resignation sorry this retirement is calling out the process essentially Okay. All right. Senator Bill Cook, uh, victim of redistricting to some extent. Uh, Will Doran, who's your headliner? My headliner is Representative Greg Murphy of Pitt County. Um, the Greenville Little League team obviously fell just just short of international glory last week, or I guess, yeah, last weekend. Um, but they were in the General Assembly on, uh, what, Wednesday or Thursday, I think, uh, getting honored by the House and the Senate. Um, in, in the Senate, you had uh, Jerry Tillman, who, uh, the, a former baseball player himself, who was uh, regaling them with some tales from his glory days and encouraging them to uh, keep it up. But then uh, Representative Murphy really kind of one-upped them once they got to the House. Um, he, he launched into um, a version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Um, singing it uh, solo a cappella for them with uh, some some custom lyrics uh, that he had written up specifically for the team. Um, I'm sure he is a very talented doctor. He may want to stick with that in his uh, day job. Uh, it was entertaining to listen to, I should say, but um, got to respect the creativity and the uh, the bravery to get up and uh, 
and uh, sing, <laughs> sing. Uh, you know, when you're, you know, you're being recorded. <laughs> it's gonna live in the archives for forever. <laughs> okay, Representative Greg Murphy, kind of a Renaissance man here. A, uh, a uh, what kind of is he? Urologist. He's a and urologist. A, uh, senator and a representative, and uh, apparently uh, can can sing too, or at least can, you know. He can sing. Yes. He can sing <laughs> He's well. He's also got some jokes. He's a very funny guy. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Representative Greg Murphy in the hot in the hat for headliner of the week. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Senator Cook Lawrence pick uh, because uh, it's sort of an illustration of how redistricting is is reshaping uh, the legislature to some extent, and um, we'll see what other fallout we have. Of course, there were other lawmakers, some of whom we've mentioned, who um, might be out of a job because of the the new maps if they go through. Um, so we'll follow that. But uh, Senator Cook, Senator Bill Cook, is this week's headliner of the week. That's it for Domecast. For Lynn Bonner, Lauren Horsch, and Will Doran, I'm Jordan Schrader. Uh, catch us next week. Thanks a lot for listening. You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.